Hannah and Carol. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> We are stronger when we work. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tony Glee, and it's uh, great that you can be with us. And uh, happy Mother's Day to all those mums. And uh, folks, let me uh, pray for us this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for your goodness. Father, we want to thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that through your spirit, through your word, you might challenge us to be more resourceful so that we might use our gifts for the growing of your kingdom. And we do pray these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Well, let's uh, play a little word association game uh, with uh, tools associated with the profession. And so if I mention the word carpenter, what's the first thing you think of? Hammer, yep. What about a surgeon? Scalpel, yeah. Okay, a dentist. <laughs> Every time I think of a dentist, I just think of pain. A bricklayer. Trowel. A drummer. Uh, a writer. Well, these days, maybe even computer. Astronomer. Telescope. A referee. What about a minister? <laughs> You're not too sure of that one. <laughs> a Bible, we would hope. Folks, all these tools are indispensable for their work, but one tool is needed right across the board, and uh, it's even more important than a hammock for a carpenter, and it's discipline. Discipline. It's the mandatory tool of work. It's the mandatory tool of work. And in Proverbs 6, it says, the correction of discipline are the way of life. You see, discipline is essential if we want to live lives on the right track. It's necessary to say no to temptation, whether it be greed, whether it be adultery, whatever it is. It's necessary for the sports person who wants to be good, who wants to excel at sport. It's necessary for the musician to be disciplined and practice and practice and practice to be good. And it's also necessary to have discipline in our work, our daily chores, in our ministry. I know when you think of discipline, it conjures up all these uh, negative thoughts, you know, kids getting punished, soldiers being yelled at, students getting expelled. Discipline has these connotations of deprivation and rigid routine. But folks, I want to say that discipline is a friend, and especially if we want to succeed. When it comes to workplace discipline, it is the number one tool for work. Ends up those people who saw that movie, what was that movie, Deb? <laughs> King Richard, about the uh, Williams sister. Oh, only one, okay. Um, it was really about uh, the, the father of the Williams sister, uh, Serena and Venus. Well, one of the things that really just hit me uh, was just the discipline of the girls. 
They woke up every morning and they were practicing banging balls backwards and forwards uh, to late at night. They were disciplined and it's no wonder they became so good in what they did. Sure, they were gifted, but they were disciplined and, it, and they grew that much better. Uh, I even uh, remember when I was back at college and there were some guys who were really gifted. Uh, they, were, um, or they were just gifted in theology. Uh, but it's really interesting. Uh, after a couple of years, two of those guys, guys that I'm thinking of actually gave up ministry because the reason is they didn't have discipline. They relied on their giftedness and they didn't work at discipline in what they were doing. If you want to be good at anything, including your work, you need discipline to train, to retrain, to undertake work. Well, what is the mentality, the mentality of work? Well, the first thing I want to say, it's good to work. Who thinks that? <laughs> it is good to work because we were made to work. Despite being hard times, Proverbs 14 says, all hard work brings a profit. Uh, we've already heard from Beck that laziness is foolish. In uh, uh, Proverbs 21, the sluggard's craving will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. Solomon is saying even it, it, it can be, uh, well, you'll, you'll die if you become too lazy. The thing I want to say is that God is a worker. We know that God created in six days and on the seventh day he, he rested. Psalm 19, the universe declares his work, the work of his hands. And even when the Lord Jesus came to this earth, he was a chippy, wasn't he? He was a carpenter. Uh, he, he, he no doubt did his chores uh, as, as much as we can uh, know that he, he was faithful in that. We, we know that the, the Bible talks about God as being a potter who moulds and fashions uh, the one who made us. And because God has created us and his image, we reflect God when we work diligently. Adam and Eve, and this is before the fall, they were in the garden, they were there to work the land. And it was to be good. It was to be enjoyable. As God representatives in this world... There is great dignity and honour when we work, whether it be paid or unpaid. I guess there needs to be a balance, though, because uh, some people can be workaholics and, uh, they, and they get their fulfilment from their work. Work defines who they are. The importance, their value is tied up in their profession. Uh, you, you see this when blokes uh, meet each other for the first time. G'day, what's your name? Tony, da, da, da. And what's the next question? What do you do? And how busy are you? Flat out. It's nearly always the same answer. But as Christians, we are not defined by what we do necessarily, but that the fact that we are God's people, that we are being created by him. We are special in value because we've been created by him. And as his children, we are to be like him, to follow his model, his good sense. 
Then we come to the manner to work, the manner to work. And this is uh, where uh, Proverbs uh, says much. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. You see, we are to work six days, if it be, to put food on the table. On the seventh day, we had to rest. And that means what? That what does it mean to rest? I mean, yes, to put your feet up, but also to consider God's goodness, to praise God for what he has done for us. The other extreme to workaholism is being a, a sluggard, being a bludger, if you want. And the sluggard refuses to work. He's lazy. He loves his bed. There's the yawning. There's the folding of arms. There's, you know, I'll do it in two or three minutes or two or three days. We are told all the way through Proverbs, the sluggard never begins things. He's drowsy. He's sleepy. He wants to slumber. He never finishes his things. In Proverbs 15, the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns. That means there's always a problem. There's always a problem to do anything. And the, and the sluggard never faces up to things. In, in Proverbs 22, the sluggard says, there's a line outside. <laughs> in other words, there's always an excuse not to do anything. So the sluggard is lazy, he's dishonest, unhelpful to himself and society. He thinks he knows what's best. He won't take advice, he blames everybody else and he's always got an excuse. Instead, Proverbs says, be like the ant. Don't be a sluggard, be like the ant. And what do ants do? We've already heard it. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. The ant works hard. The ant works hard. Uh, you don't see stationary ants, do you? Uh, you never see that. There's all, they're always on the move, and if you're in the way, they'll either walk around you or over you, or, or if they need to go through you, they'll bite you, as someone said. Uh, they, they are the most industrious and resourceful animals in existence. Apparently, they are in every continent except Antarctica. Uh, and uh, it just goes to show how they modify their habits, uh, utilising resources in defending themselves. Apparently, an anthill, which some of the anthills will go this high, ratio-wise, they, they are taller than the, the highest uh, high-rise buildings that uh, mankind makes. It's incredible, isn't it? You think about it, the ants are only like that, and yet they can build something like that. They can carry up to 50 times their weight. I think we're flat out trying to carry our own weight, aren't we? Especially if you're 100 <coughs> carries over. There's no slumbering for the ant. When it's time to work, they have discipline to work hard. Secondly, they work honestly. It says in verse 7, it has no commander, no overseer or ruler. You see, ants don't need a, a, an overseer or a boss to keep them honest in their work. I know some, 
sometimes you might be in a work situation. Uh, I hope it's not you, but, you know, a person starts working only when the boss is around. You know what I'm talking about? Or they work harder when the boss is around, so the boss might see them. Ants are not like that. They have an inbred integrity, an honest day's work or an honest day's pay. And God hates dishonesty. The Lord abhors dishonest scales, different weights and different measures. The Lord detests them both. When we are dishonest in our work, when we are not pulling our weight, the Lord doesn't like it. Ants have that discipline to work honestly. And they work helpfully too. In verse 8, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. When an ant works, it's working for the future needs and the needs of others. Now, apparently this morning someone said to me, there are ants that live alone. He's a professor of anthood or something, I don't know. But the majority of times, ants are in a colony. Ants are together. Ants are working in, in a community. And some ants are building, some ants are gathering, some some ants are soldiers, some ants are cleaners, some ants are in the funeral industry where they get rid of the dead bodies. All ants work in different fields, but they have a collective mind. They are all working for the body of ants. No ant, except those ones that live on their own, works for themselves. Ants don't work to make a reputation for themselves. To help themselves. Ants work for the good of the community and in doing that they are working to help each other. Why you work is important, is as important as what you do. So folks what about my work, what about your work? Have you got the right tools of trade? Have you got discipline in getting work and rest in balance. Are you like the sluggard or are you like the ant? Do you work hard, honestly and helpfully in your career? Are there areas in, in your paid job where you might have to uh, repent of? Are you one of those people that just work harder when the boss is around? Do you work hard, honestly and helpfully in your home chores? I don't have to tell you all. I mean, Beck talked about that. Cleaning, washing, mowing in the household? Are we sluggish in that area of life? Is there too much slumbering in front of the TV? Do you work hard, honestly, and helpfully for your church family? You know, ministry can be hard and we need discipline to be able to spend time using our gifts, working in an unpaid situation for the body of Christ. Is there honesty in your ministry? Are we pulling our weight? Let me ask you a question. If everybody was like you, if everybody is like you, where would the church at Robbo, the Anglican church at Robbo be? You know, we, we, we know there are, we, there are in need of musicians. Uh, there's a need of cleaning. There's a need of rosters. People doing morning teas. There's a need for suppers, office, working bees, visitation. 
I'm sure there's a need for people who have got uh, computer skills. And thank God that there are many people who are like ants at St. John's here. But you know, it would be a lot better if we had more. Folks, I'm going to play a video in a minute and I want you to uh, see what some of the ants are doing in this uh, short video. Thanks, Kat. They also eat a lot. <laughs> what are some of the things the ants were doing in that video? Yep. They, they certainly were. Uh, that was food for later. Yep. What else were they doing together? Yeah, yeah. They had uh, a chain, weren't they? They, they were pulling and there were some ants that were, there, there were some ants that were pushing. What else did you notice? It was teamwork. Uh, there were even ants on the side, weren't they? And I gather when some ants got tired, the, the, these other guys would jump in. Yeah, anything else? Yeah, so there were ants uh, ahead of the chain that were pulling them along, uh, clearing the way. And when they got to that uh, little crack or whatever it was, what? What happened then? They, they took a little detour, I don't know if you noticed. But it's a great uh, uh, picture of ants working together um, and being uh, stronger together. And folks, in some ways that's a picture of the church. We, we have different gifts, we have different skills. And God wants us to be using those gifts and when we're not using our gifts, guess what? The whole body of Christ suffers. The whole body of Christ suffers. Just like the ant works for the, their community. We have a community of believers. We have different gifts. We need each other. I need you, you need me. We need each other for the body of Christ to work well. You know, Dorothy Sayers, who was a, a writer uh, in the early 1900s, uh, she interviewed uh, a very profound writer. Uh, she interviewed uh, many people in her lifetime. And it's really interesting what she said. She said, the most happy and contented people that she ever interviewed were uh, war vets, from World War I vets. And that's really surprised me when you think of all the atrocities of war and all that. But she said that, that the sacrifice of, of those soldiers, um, despite them going through turmoil, actually gave them a, a contentment, uh, a, a, a satisfaction that they were doing uh, right for the country. Friends, there's a hole in our lives when we are not using our gifts, when we're not working together, because that's what we were made for. 
In fact, we see the model Jesus' work. He was a carpenter. He worked hard and honestly as a tradesman. Yes, he probably did his fair share of the chores at home. Jesus knew what his life was about. It was helping others and doing God's will. He says there, my food, said Jesus, is to the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You know, my food, in other words, the thing that keeps me going, the thing that keeps me going is to do what God wants me to do. Jesus knew his life was about doing good for others. Jesus said himself he came to seek and save the lost. That's what his work was. Jesus said himself, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, Jesus has worked for you and for me. He's died on a cross for you and for me so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have that eternal joy of being in heaven for all eternity. And out of thankfulness, I want to say, let's, let's put our weight together. Let's work hard, whether it be at work, whether it be at home, whether it be at church, because that is God's will for your life and for mine. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are a God who has worked for us. Lord, we pray that out of thankfulness that we might work for you with a sense of joy, with a sense of purpose. And we do pray these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Folks, I know uh, being uh, Mother's Day, probably mothers uh, are the... Hardest workers, is that right, ladies? Yeah? No? Yes? Um, and what I thought I'd do is just to uh, give a little couple of prizes out and, and, and Neve is going to uh, hand out some chocolates to... Is there any left? There they go. Good, good. No, I was worried about your brother. <laughs> and so I want to give out prizes to some of the mothers. Firstly, the oldest mother that's amongst us. 70, keep your hand up if you're 70 or over, 75, 80, 81, 82, okay, we've got two ladies, give, yeah. go on, put our hands together. What about the youngest mother, uh, say 19, 20? 21, 22, 23, 24, 78, <laughs> 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. We're talking about the youngest mother. 31. Jeez, we're on old. Oh, there we go. Esther. Who's got the youngest child? Any six months, your old children, a year, 18 months? Has anyone got a two-year-old child? Three-year-old child? Hannah. Go on, let's give her a hand too. 
What about the most children? Who's got four kids? Five kids? Six kids? Let's give a price to all those five kids. 